We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm talking with Steve Lowinger, the current 18th place team owner in the 2021 FFPC main event a contest that will pay out nearly $4 million in prizes, including a $500,000 grand prize. In this episode, we discuss how his philosophy changes in managing a team to life-changing money, the tough start sits he's facing for Week 15, how he stands on the Cowboys' ground game right now, and much more. Before we get into the show, I do want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2021. That's R-V-R-A-D-I-O-2021. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is 18th place team manager in the 2021 FFPC main event, Steve Lowinger. As we hit the midway point of December and the Fantasy Football Players Championship championship round, pleased to bring a guest this week that we have on the show, a guy who finished sixth overall in the regular season just a half decade ago in this contest, more experienced than I think a lot of people do in battling in the championship round. He's in 18th place right now as we head to the big money weeks in the FFPC main event. Steve Lowinger. Steve, thank you so much for hopping aboard this week, man. No, no problem. It's my pleasure. It's good to, good to hear from you, Eric. You've been up here before, as, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned. Regular season 2015, you were sixth overall. Knowing that you got that far um, in, in the years that followed, did you adjust the way you draft? Did you adjust who you drafted? Did you adjust how you placed waivers, how you set lineups, your, your philosophy of managing football over those years? to try and make your make sure your team in future years was as explosive as possible for these big money weeks? Well, part of that is going to be luck. And I mean, obviously, COVID kind of changes the face of every game, every day, every week with, with players. So nobody could plan for that back in 2015. Um, but the bottom line is, um, one of the things that I realized with 
this is, there's been some thinking that's changed over the years in terms of drafting. I mean, back in the day when we made our run in 2015, our, our lead running back was Jamal Charles, who we picked up as kind of the pass catching back in Kansas City at the time. And he ended up getting the, the full workload and kind of carried us to that spot. Um, most people right now kind of take those pass casting, catching backs and are putting them on their team. So there's really not as much of a market inefficiency there as it was years past. So that's the hard part is, you know, drafting and figuring that stuff out. The truth is to get to this part, um, it's kind of the best way I can describe it, especially now with COVID, is kind of a crapshoot. You just got to hope that you thread the needle between guys that got you there that are on everybody else's team and guys that got you there that aren't on other people's team and hoping that everybody does well while the other guys don't do well. Um, you mentioned Jamal Charles and, and your sort of your philosophy on, Hey, let's pick up this guy. Cause he's catching all the passes. Right. And, and he carried you that year. Um, what's been like, I, I feel like you guys exploited that market deficiency, right. And picking them up. And like now you can't do that anymore because everybody and their mother wants as many pass catching running backs as they can on their team. What what do you think the market efficiency is in high stakes fantasy football right now? Is there one to take advantage of or is there one that just simply hasn't developed um, over the last couple of years? I I would say the two things that um, always kind of come up in this is there's always a zig when other people zag. So first of all, there's a lot of luck involved, but in terms of just you know, having a group of guys and picking the right ones of the group of guys that you feel the same about. But probably the biggest market inefficiency in this right now is just that dearth of good running backs past the first couple rounds that you're just hoping to hit on somebody. So you really have to decide that jamming on uh, wide receivers, you know, some people call it zero running back. I don't call it that. I kind of like the anchor running back concept of just get one that, you know, you can kind of set and forget, maybe make sure you get his backup just in case. And then after that, just go after wide receiver, wide receiver. And then when you feel a good break in that, hey, I kind of like this running back, go for it or just go to the end of the draft almost and take those guys. Um, both of our teams, um, my main event team and my fantasy, uh, my football guys team, they're both designed kind of the same way. Um, and this year, you know, the luck factor happens to be that if you were picking at the back end of the first round, those running backs didn't get hurt where everybody in front of them basically did. Yeah. Fantasy uh, Darren Armani from uh, FantasyMojo.com had an interesting tweet this week that I think the top five um, uh, slots that, that made the playoffs most often number one was 12. Right. Um, I think I, I, and I think the number 11 spot was like three or something, but the, the point of it is the top five were all eight through 12 and the bottom two uh, spots were one and two. So, you know, obviously it makes sense. And you're right. I mean, the, with the luck involved about those running backs not getting hurt, um, one of the guys that you got in the main event, sort of that anchor running back, and he's been quite the anchor this year, Jonathan Taylor. He is going to be starting for you off of his bye, now back in week 15. But your second running back, kind of an interesting spot for you guys. Who do you think you're going to be starting out as your second running back next to Taylor this weekend? Well, again, we've run most of the season with Gaskin as our number two. I mean, to be fair, it, we almost did that by accident. We um, we got to that spot where we'd gotten all the wide receivers that we liked. And basically Gaskin and uh, Mike Davis were staring at us and we made a mistake. We took Gaskin not realizing that he shared the same buy as Jonathan Taylor. So then we're like, okay, now we got to figure this out the rest of the way. Um, but Gaskin has been relatively decent for us. I mean, we built the team kind of knowing that our number two running back 
was going to be the weak part of the team, and we just hoped to backfill it. And between you know Neiman Hines, Miles Gaskin, um, Jamal Williams, um, you know this week we had to pick up uh, you know Burkhead and and uh, the guy I can't pronounce from Detroit um, to, <laughs> right. to kind of to kind of make things work. But the, the bottom line is, you know, I'm pretty sure that we're going to be look. One of Gaskin or Williams will get out of COVID protocol. I mean, Gaskin, uh, you know, and I've talked to this with a couple of friends of mine. Gaskin is vaccinated. So him getting COVID during their bye week should mean that he should be cleared to play unless this new variant just keeps positive COVID tests ongoing for, you know, two weeks or whatever. Um, but I figure it actually is kind of beneficial if, if that does work out that way, because once Gaskin has been, you know, cleared to practice again, he doesn't have to get tested for pretty much the rest of the fantasy playoffs. Um, so that's kind of where we're banking. And just if that doesn't work, we'll go from there. And if, if, if let's say Gaskin can't get active or, you know, there's this possibility too, cause they have pretty, you know, the, the starting, the, the top three running backs all in, in Miami are on the COVID list right now, but they could technically all be ready for, for this game this coming weekend too. If they all, you know, get their negative tests, if that is the case um, and let's say Jamal Williams can't clear or whatever, and, and he's still out, would you still play Gaskin even if he's going to be in a crowded backfield as your number two running back? I mean, he's been in a crowded backfield all year. That hasn't changed. I mean, the only player, um, I think Philip Lindsley was the last one to get on the list before Javon Holland, but he's a safety, so that doesn't matter. Um, You know, really, Gaskin's not going to lose his spot to any of these guys this year. Um, When the Dolphins get close to the the red zone, he's going to be the guy in the backfield. They've even run some wildcat for him around there. So, you know, while he hasn't had kind of the glorious season that everybody thought that he was going to have, um, he's actually outpointed uh, 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 DeAndre Swift. Um, he's He's been serviceable. It's just, again, when the Dolphins were terrible when uh, Jacoby Brissett was under center, so was Gaskin. It's just kind of the way it worked. And I guess that leads into my next question. You're staying away. I mean, like, Duke Johnson, Jared Dokes, Malcolm Brown, none of these guys are, are worth worth anything right now and trying to mess around with that backfield going forward, even if all these three, the, these top three running backs for the Dolphins were to somehow all miss, right? Well, I think, again, this is more for people who don't have a league, like, you know, home leagues. And right. if, if you were going to, like, get stuck there, um, the Dolphins are, I think, signed Lamar Miller um, earlier today, or they're planning to. Um, so I guess that bodes to the fact that they may not have a backup to one of these guys. But Duke Johnson was fine when he played a little bit. Um, I guess they liked Philip Lindsay better when he came in. But I think Duke Johnson could see some play. Um, Gerald Dokes is a good player, but he is basically a next-year kind of guy for the Dolphins. Kind of does a similar thing to what Malcolm Brown does. And I don't think we're going to see Malcolm Brown the rest of the season unless he's forced into it by what we're dealing with right now. You, you mentioned home league, Steve. I know you're in uh, a few of them, three of them. Um, and you also only play one main event and one football guys players championship team, which by the way, both teams in the championship round. Congratulations to you, you on that. What, what's the reasoning behind that? Why do you like to do just one in each and then, and then have the home leagues as well? Well, I mean, I've seen some of the guys and I don't take anything away from these guys who like, they basically are almost, um, almost DFSing um, these big tournaments where they're spending, you know, you know, 15, 20 grand buying up as many teams as they can and then just hoping to cash through it. Um, the basic concept for me is fantasy football doesn't pay the rent. 
Um, I do it for fun. I enjoy it. I've been always looking for the sweet spot of how many teams, uh, how many leagues do I want to be in where I don't feel like I'm overwhelmed or, or too reliant on one team. And this year, five has really been the sweet spot because, you know, I don't really think of any one win or one loss. You know, my team, my weeks are three and two, four and one. I had a five and oh, um, I had a two and three. You know, those kind of things just make it so it's not quite as stressful. You can't really get hung up on, hey, this guy's starting this person against me who I have in this league. You just realize everything is just threading the needle at that point. Um, but, you know, it, it's like I don't take anything away from those guys who get multiple teams and multiple leagues. It's just, you know, there, there's kind of a bandwidth to how many drafts I can go through where things don't just start to look the same. And it's really hard, even though drafts don't all end up the same, it's really hard to not feel like you're locking in the same couple guys that you want. Interesting stuff. I like that right there. Um, and I think that's enlightening as well. I want to get back to putting you under the microscope as far as your um, start sets go this weekend. Pat, Pat Fryermuth, the rookie tight end out of Penn State for the Steelers. He's your flex currently in, in the uh, opening week of the championship round for your 18th place team. You do have some other options here. Michael Gallup, Jacoby Myers, Marvin Jones, CJ Uzelma. How much thought have you given those guys um, over Fryermuth, or has the final decision not been made yet? The final decision hasn't been made. Um, I have two different partners, one for my big money for the FFPC and another guy for you know two really good friends of mine going back 20 years. Um, basically, you know, my buddy, my co-owner, Dave Comite, who you know I want to give a shout out to because he's you know some somewhat of the brains behind the operation sometimes. Um, you know, we basically, at the end of the week, we just kind of decide what consensus we feel about people. Um, Fryermuth has been a red zone monster um, lately. Even with ben, Big Ben being a little bit up and down, he seems to be the guy, once they get close, that uh, makes things happen. Um, I just love his hands. You know, good Penn State tight ends are always, you know, fun guys to watch. Um, we've had a, an embarrassment of riches, and... With these things, sometimes you don't want to make a terrible decision. But I think last week the concept was he was going on a Thursday. So we wanted to just make that lineup decision then because we weren't sure about all the other guys. Um, once we did that, he was there. This week, we really haven't gotten that far into it. I, you know, gun to my head, I would probably say we're thinking, you know, maybe, you know, Gallup or, you know, Fryermuth. Um, the rest of the guys, I mean, Marvin, you know, we, we, we were very lucky in both leagues to get really good wide receivers all the way up and down the line. You know, Jacoby Myers has been someone that hasn't really, I think he started for us once. Um, you know, that touchdown, his inability to score a touchdown hurts us in this league. I mean, and especially even though um, Mac Jones is doing quite well, he's kind of spreading it around enough that, you know, Jacoby hasn't really been a 1A. Marvin was the guy that we really thought was going to give us some play watching him and Trevor in the preseason. But Jacksonville has just been a complete, you know, crazy thing. <clears throat> it seems like every time they lose a wide receiver, they figure out who, the next wide receiver up is the one that gets all the targets, whether it was Treadwell or, you know, it's like anybody but Lishik Chenault and, and, uh, and Marvin Jones, although Marvin will still make the occasional big catch. He's certainly seeing a difference getting thrown to from Lawrence than he was from, from Safford, for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, it, it, is it, I mean, like sometimes I, I, I see some of these teams, um, Steve, that, that are at the top of the leaderboard and I look at it and, and I'm like, my God, if one guy goes down, this team is done. You're sort of the opposite end of that, where if, if one guy goes down, not only do, do you have a, a decent tight end back, uh, back up, you got some receiver depth here as well. Are these right. teams harder to set the liners? So, I mean, do you, do you stress over these teams a little bit more because you know that these are a little bit more, you know, you know, for lack of a better phrase, these are man-made decisions that you're making rather than the lineup sort of just setting itself. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, I mean, if you've played any amount of fantasy football or, or daily fantasy football, there's always going to be a mistake that you make. The question is, do the, does the mistake that I make really end up hurting me or not? <clears throat> you know, that's the one that you, you have to be a little concerned with. So, I mean, listen, I, you know, what if as long as I, you know, I'm more concerned, like, for instance, we we won our league this week. Um, we probably would have won our league had Lamar not gotten hurt either way. But the, our opponent had the misfortune of having Lamar go down, you know, basically in the first quarter. Right. So who knows if Lamar has a Lamar game, maybe we still win the game because, you know, Lamar would have needed to have at least 30 points to make it even interesting. Excuse me. But um, the bottom line is, you know, that's what I'm more worried about. I mean, you know, making, if I, if I decide that, um, like I'll use the best example. So we have Michael Gallup in both leagues, you know, both, both teams, um, in the league, in the football guys league that I was in, I started, um, Michael Gallup. And in this league, we bunched Michael Gallup because Debo was coming back. And the basic concept was in the other league, we pretty much were sure that we were going to win. We didn't need boom bust points we just needed consistent points whereas we were willing to gamble on um also because we'd already you know won top points one top league so we already you know had cashed in this one we're willing to do the the boom bust of debo um coming back off an injury um because we needed the extra points we we figured you know and sure enough it did help us that debo had a better game than Gallup. but it's one of those things that <clears throat> it just mitigates it's different than the playoffs in that when you're playing head-to-head you can decide how you how much variability you want in your team. Almost the same thing as if you're playing like a 50-50 in daily versus playing for the million. Um, in those situations, you know, you're playing a much more conservative game in the 50-50 and a much more trying to hit the, the lotto ticket in, in the other one. Um, 
I already congratulated you on your football guys players championship team. I'm going to do it again that, that you've made it to the championship round there. Um, quarterback is interesting here because you have a decision between Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz. And I know a lot of people have been down on Russell Wilson and deservedly so for, for a good portion of the season. Um, this weekend he gets uh, to, uh, to go up against that Rams defense. We saw on Monday night football this week that um, defeated the Cardinals and he gets them in LA. Carson Wentz is at home, but he gets the Patriots defense. And, and I feel like they've been among the best defenses in the NFL this year. Is this a hard decision for you? I mean, is it is it slam dunk Russell Wilson, or is it a more nuanced decision than uh, than it's, that? It's 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 somewhere right right in between. I think it's a slam dunk Russell Wilson concept under the premise that you know they're going to need to score points. <clears throat> um, there's a lot of different ways for Indianapolis to go after New England, and you have to decide. Well, what is Bill Belichick really going to decide to do? Is he going to try to stop that? really fantastic offensive line that Indianapolis has and Jonathan Taylor. And, uh, or is he going to go out and, and try to make Carson Wentz, you know, beat him, which is fine too that way, which I still think Taylor gets his, gets his stuff because, you know, Frank Reich is not the type of uh, coach that's going to go away from a good thing. Um, but, you know, to me, I think you have to decide now, especially these first couple weeks of the, of the three week, you know, sprint um, who's going to put up the, who's going to give you the best chance to put up the most points. <clears throat> and Russell Wilson in a good game uh, looking to be somewhat high scoring, regardless of the defense that the Rams have out there, because it can be passed on. Um, you know, just look at last night, you this exactly, or two nights ago, that's exactly what you saw. And um, so I'm kind of running with Russell Wilson. If, you know, if, if we end up going from being somewhat in the money to getting killed because we made that decision incorrectly, I can live with that because, you know, Wentz carried us when Russell, when Russ got hurt. Um, and I'll be honest with you, like two weeks ago, as we were getting ready to finish using our free agent money, we're like, should we pick up another quarterback? Is there another guy out there that we like just to make the decision making easier? Um, really didn't see anybody out there that we loved. Um, we also didn't really know who we would drop to make that happen. And so because of that, we know we're just running with these two guys. And it really looks like just based on the next three weeks, it's Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. Um, unless, you know, again, COVID springs up or somebody gets hurt again or, or something along those lines. How much does it pay to, to be sort of contrarian in the championship, championship round in the main event or, or football guys? I mean, does it pay at all because of, you know, how, how many different, you know, Ross, not only rosters, but lineups people are putting together, how many people are in it. Does it pay to be the contrarian? Or like you said, does it just, you know, put, start the guy that you think is going to score the most points and that's the the best way to try and win. Well, you're, you're basically threading the needle. I mean, you know, I've looked at, you know, the nice, I'm down in the, in the hundreds in, in the football guys uh, one, but I'm 18 in ours. So I looked at all the teams kind of above us just to see where the commonality is and where the difference is. Um, the commonalities are usually Cup, Jonathan Taylor, <clears throat> Debo, um, a couple other guys, you know, but really there's enough diversity there in that, you know, we were big on Tom Brady and it seems like everybody has a different quarterback that's in that area above us. So it's just really threading the needle of, okay, I need, you know, this guy and this guy to do their very best and this guy and this guy to just have average weeks and these guys to really underperform. And hopefully my my guys who are not my key guys that would be overlapping with somebody else have the big weeks. I mean, you really, again, let's say we get into that final week and we're in shouting distance of somebody else. 
and the team above us has, let's say, the same tight end as I do, I maybe I switch to um, Uzuma or maybe I you know do something else. I mean, we love Gronk, don't get me wrong, but or maybe we put two of them in there and, and see what happens. But um, it's it's hard because you have to go with the horses that brung you and just hope that one of those free agent guys or a couple of guys that you've been using are different enough that you win. Like again, a Miles Gaskin, you know, he, you know, Gaskin goes off like he did, you know, a year ago or, or two years ago, where he just kind of like goes nuts. Then uh, he might win you the championship himself. We just talked about Russell Wilson. Let's talk about his real life teammate Rashad Penny, who had one of the best games not only of his season of this season but of his career. Uh, against the Texans last week, 16 carries, 137 yards, only gets one target, but he did get into the end zone twice as well. He gets the Rams defense this week. Expectations for him uh, going up against a much tougher defense is the result uh, quite a bit different as well. I I expect again we we you know that's where you kind of get into that Wilson Wentz Penny thing because we have Penny on the team, <clears throat> and it really comes down to how comfortable do we feel about how the how the the, the Seahawks are going to attack the Rams and what are they going to do? So again, we have Deontay Foreman, uh, Deontay Foreman. I mean, we have Eli Mitchell and, and, you know, God, I, we, that was really our plan is let Eli Mitchell carry us all the way through the playoffs with the way the 49ers are doing things. And then he got dinged up. So, you know, we'll roll whichever guy out there that we think is going to do the best. I mean, again, at the end of the day, the other part of it is there's not a lot of people, I think in the playoffs who I mean, maybe that's not true. Maybe there are a lot of people in the playoffs who got Penny because they're the only ones paying attention these last two weeks while most of the other teams are just kind of shutting down. Um, so Penny might be a guy who ends up on a lot of different teams and maybe we're better off being contrarian in that situation. But again, that's one of those lineups that we just have to think about as the week goes on because one of the things that we're seeing now is we may have no choice if you know three of our wide running backs go on the COVID list or this and that or whatever, then we'll have to be scrambling again. Um, an embarrassment of riches for you at wide out in this uh, football guys league as well. Um, I'm looking at Tyree kill and Cooper cup sort of as must starts. Um, but Michael Gallup, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, a guy that you'd mentioned is, is on a ton of championship round teams. Mike Williams also on this team. Um, before I, I, I ask the, the, this next question, you talked about anchor running backs, um, earlier. Is that sort of the strategy that that you have historically always taken, or at least the the majority of the time, where you're grabbing that hero running back or whatever, and then pounding out the receivers? Do you feel like that's the way that you approach nearly all of your high stakes drafts? Um, I think that's the way. I, with with PPR, I think that's the way you you have to deal with almost anything. I mean, unless you really see a, a, a I mean, a, the good news this year is there was a lot of decent running backs that you could say, okay, I want this guy if I don't get that guy. So to, again, to use the two guys I have. In my uh, FFPC team, we have Jonathan Taylor. In my other, in the other league, in the Football Guys League, I have um, Najee Harris. And in both those cases, we felt very, very strongly that you know those two guys, Antonio Gibson, um, like those three guys, to be honest with you, were the guys I wanted to build the team around at the end of the draft. But the question is, do I really need to build around two of those guys? And then all of a sudden, now I'm I'm having to react because I've got 22 picks until I get to go again. So, you know, balancing the thing out by getting a wide receiver and then seeing what the third and fourth round look like really makes a difference because, again, this this year has been weird because, like I said, the top, like, 10 running backs, everybody kind of knew who they were. And then there was that, like, what they called the running back dead zone that um, you kind of had to navigate to figure out who it was. I mean, we got really lucky. We got Gaskin in one spot and we got Henderson in the other spot <clears throat> up to the point where now he's kind of doing whatever. And so they were able to carry us 
pretty much down down the stretch um, of those first few weeks to maybe half the season. And then you had to start figuring out, okay, who else can I use? Who got dropped? What can I what can I work with? Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I wouldn't say that like when I first started playing fantasy football, you know, I picked a quarterback in the first round like everybody else does when they don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I have done, you know, I've played pretty much every kind of um, draft system that you can go with. I mean, whether it's zero running back or, you know, two running backs, you know, it, it all depends on the league. You know, most of the time when I'm setting this stuff up in years past, I did something slightly different this year, is I just looked to where are the natural spots where there's value, you know, going back to Joe Bryant's old BBD concept, um, <clears throat> where is there value? Versus where is there um, kind of a, a letdown, you know, whether that's tiers or VBD or any way you want to slice it. It's like, where do I get the most value for my pick right now? Um, where do you get the most value from uh, these other two receivers besides Hill and Cup in week 15? Gallup, McLaurin, Samuel, Williams. Is, is Samuel sort of just a must start given that he's yes. essentially living in the end zone? And then and then we don't know about McLaurin's concussion status, but then Gallup and Mike Williams as well. How do you decide here? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, we, we picked a lot. I mean, this is not even answering the fact that this particular team had T.Y. Hilton as our last pick in the 20th round. And we had to drop him because we're, he's never going to see the light of day and we needed somebody else. Um, you know, it, it, we, we were, we, we hit on pretty much everywhere we went with, uh, the wide receivers, which is in contrast to the big money league I'm in down here locally, where I picked all the ones who didn't do well. You know, I had my, uh, my Allen Robinson, my Odell Beckham Jr. When he was in Cleveland, you know, I managed to pick every guy who just was horrific. But at the end of the day, this was the grouping of wide receivers that I thought, um, were going to be good. So you're not always going to hit on everybody. <clears throat> but to your point, uh, Debo is probably the next guy. I mean, Mike Williams has basically sat on our bench most of the season, which is amazing when you consider what he's done there. Um, I think he's only started for us twice this entire year because of the people ahead of him and you're talking about. But I would say, like, you know, Debo's definitely in there. And then I think really between Gallup and Williams, it boils down to who they're playing um, and how they're playing. I mean, if, if, you know, now that Dallas is getting other horses back, Gallup has a bigger you know, smaller piece of the pie that he gets to eat from. Um, and, but Mike Williams, you know, which Mike Williams are you getting? And I, I, you know, I think, you know, as a Dolphin fan, you know, the Justin Herbert talk is always interesting, but Mike Williams is one of those guys that kind of fits Justin Herbert's personality perfectly. But now Keenan Allen comes back as well. So it's, it's one of those things where you're, in some cases, it is a, embarrassment of riches and you close your eyes and hope you make the right decision. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, Dave Gerzak, my, my former co-host on the HSFF hour, every time that, that, you know, he's presented with a decision or somebody asks him, he just, the first thing he always says like, okay, chances are you're probably not going to start the right one. <laughs> just, well, man, man, you know, it gets so tough, you know, that's actually a really funny, funny story about my, again, my two co-owners, one in each league is my one co-owner. He and I, I tend to, he tends to be the one that when we ask him a question, like I, in my regular league, you know, he's not a, a partner of mine. So I'll say, which one of these guys do you think I should start? <clears throat> and he tends to be always right, which is great. <laughs> and then my other owner, he tends to always be wrong. So what I end up doing when I'm not sure I'm something is I will actually ask both of them. And the only time I have a real problem is when they both agree. <laughs> but most of the time, like, you know, like, who should I start, you know, Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle. If Dave says Jamar Chase, I'm starting, and Phil says Jalen Waddle. That's a perfect reason for me to start Jamar Chase. You know, because one is generally right, one is generally wrong. 
So that's the best way to make it happen. Um, so we, te- you know, the best way I could do is I'm, I'm, I guess I'm risk mitigating by using two flawed people to give me the best answer in this situation. <laughs> Man, it's, it's got a good track record, at least like there, there's a, there's a good yeah. track record behind it. Um, okay. So this, this next question is, is a tight end one. And I think it kind of, it's already been taken care of, right. With Austin Hooper testing positive and going yeah. on the COVID list. Um, I, let's just say he, he does get the two negative tests. Um, it means he probably will not be practicing at all this week. Browns play on Saturday as opposed to Sunday this week. If he does somehow get active for this game, would you put him in over Foster Moreau, assuming that that Waller is going to miss again? Um, yeah, I, listen, I don't understand what's happening in Las Vegas. I wish I did, um, because you know, for instance, another guy that I picked in my big money in my big money league locally was Brian Edwards, figuring that he was going to have a great season because he looked like everything. And meanwhile, the only person who's eating there is Hunter Renfro, right. which you know. God bless him. You know, it's again, another one of those testaments to um, it's another one of those testaments to, you know, sometimes it's really just the slot guy is the guy you should be picking. <clears throat> but, um, you know, Foster Moreau, you, you really thought that, you know, Waller's targets were going to go to him and it just hasn't been that way. A car just doesn't seem to be finding anybody not named Renfro or Jacobs right now. And that's fine. And that kind of what dings me about him is if Hooper can play, Hooper's kind of picking up the slack and doing well. We actually also have uh, a Shaughnessy in Jacksonville. Because again, what we decided to do is we decided to just load up. You know, we actually picked Logan Thomas in the draft. Then we got uh, Seals Jones when Thomas went down. You know, we've been playing kind of a carousel of, of, of tight ends this year. And, you know, honestly, if, 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 Hoop, if, I, if let's just take Hooper out of the equation, I have to decide between Foster Moreau and O'Shaughnessy. I may take O'Shaughnessy. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, Hooper is solid. And, and, you know, again, he got it. We were deciding back and forth between that. And that is, again, one of those situations where I made the call, going back to the original point, I made the call between Hooper and Moreau. And I was wrong because Hooper caught that touchdown. But at the end of the day, you know, Moreau could have easily, Moreau had a touchdown thrown at him that he dropped. So it's, again, just silliness in certain ways. Um, let's, let's shift to a, a situation. I don't think this affects you in, in any of your, uh, FFPC leagues or either of your FFPC leagues. And I don't know if it affects you in any of your local leagues, but Tony Pollard, it sounds Mike McCarthy said he was more positive about Pollard playing this week. Ezekiel Elliott, he does not look, you know, like the Ezekiel Elliott we once, once knew. Right. Um, but he's getting the extra volume with, with Pollard out. For anybody who owns either Elliott or Pollard, or maybe those owners that own both of them, they take on the Giants this weekend. What would you recommend that they do? I, and I know that that it kind of depends upon their their options and what they have. Hmm. But, I mean, how startable are both of these guys at, at, at this point with everything on the line? Well, I think this entire year they've been both startable at the same time. I mean, you know, I have, again, in the local league, I have a guy who – I have two guys – who have both on their team and ended up starting both. I mean, it's kind of a similar conversation to Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, to a certain extent, you can just start them both. Um, but I think that <clears throat> if, if it's a, if it's a non FFPC league, um, I think you go with whichever, if they're both going to play, you can start either one. Um, I think that Pollard's return from injury is not going to give him the pre-injury um, looks that he had at the beginning. I think they're going to lean a little bit more on Elliott, even if Pollard is playing this week. I think that's the feel that I get on this one. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's in the FFPC, especially in the championship rounds, I hope that you start both of them and they both 
have mediocre games because we don't have them on either team. <laughs> right. So yes, that's exactly. how I feel about that. Thinning you know, the again, herd. Right, because again, you got to start them. You know, if, if they're going to play, you got to start them because you're almost forced to. Um, but then, you know, since I don't have them and you might have them ahead of me, which kind of, you know, not hard to believe because those two guys could have definitely got you to the championship round with the way they scored this year. Um, now I just hope that they do crappy because I want <laughs> those people ahead of me to fall behind me and the people behind me not to catch me. Who's um, I, I like as far as your your 18th place team goes um, is who's the guy that that if he catches fire, you could really turn it up because not a lot of people ahead of you or maybe not a lot of people right behind you have them on your have them on their teams. Um, probably the 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 the, the, the four guys, because there's four guys that I just don't see on anybody else's team um, it are Gaskin. Uh, Jamal, uh, Gaskin, uh, Jamal Williams, uh, Friermuth, if we keep starting him, um, those are really the, 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 I would say the three big ones that are not, they're, they're zagging where everybody else is zigging, so to speak. Um, and then probably the last one is just the guys that I have ahead of, like, I just need, you know, Taylor to keep being Taylor, you know, Brady to keep being Brady, Gronk to keep being Gronk, that kind of thing. You know, you just don't want any of those guys to, you know, suffer a letdown. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm nine points behind the top guy. All right. I'm also, if you, if you deduct nine points from my team, I'm like 113th <laughs> or something like that. So it's not like, you know, the guy who's in, you know, a hundred and, you know, the guy who's in 200th place that you'll be calling next week when he jumps up to 15, um, to do this, this podcast. Um, that guy is hoping for the same thing that I am is just, he's got some guy on his roster that, you know, he, Hardly has ever used it, gets pressed in the service, and he does it. To me, you know, again, if Miles Gaskin heats up with the Dolphins having a relatively cakewalk schedule except for New Orleans, um, and even New Orleans, I, you know, they're going to have to throw the ball. You know, he could heat up and, and get us there. Um, you know, if, if we decide not to go with Gaskin because Williams get, becomes available, I don't see them using, you know, the guy they used over the weekend that made the Jamar Jefferson people all cry, who is this guy? Um <laughs> I don't see them using, you know, him um, if they've got a better quality back out there. Who the, who knows for sure. But again, you just need your guys that everybody else kind of has to just keep doing their thing. And then you need the guys that nobody else has to, to actually, I'll give you the best one. Um, now that, you know, you asked a great question and I'll tell you that I think my secret weapon going in is the Dallas defense. You know, I think we're the only team that has the Dallas defense in the top 18. Mm. And they've been playing like lights out recently. Um, so, you know, you, 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 Mika Parsons, who should be the next, you know, Lawrence Taylor player of the year, defensive rookie of the year for sure. Probably not defensive player of the year, just because some other guys are doing really, really well. But that's the wrecking crew. If, if they keep putting up the points that they're putting up, <clears throat> that may be the difference maker for us. Yeah, Dallas gets the uh, the Giants this week. They get the Washington football team the following week. And then, uh, of course, the Arizona Cardinals to to line everything up in week 17. And, and uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins both missed time this year. Uh, James Connors is dealing with an ankle thing right now. So we don't know what that team will look like, quite frankly, in three weeks uh, either. But we do know that the next two weeks it looks very good for Dallas. Now, you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, Steve, final question here for you. Um, you got to ride the horses that brought you here, obviously. Um, and I, I don't, I always hesitate to ask this question this time of year, but are there any quote unquote studs, you know, players that, that a lot of people in the high stakes industry are going to be counting on this week 
that you think might be ultimately letting their team or their fantasy owners down. And then conversely, a sleeper that not a lot of people will be playing in week 15, but you think should be in fantasy lineups. Well, basically, um, the one one team that I you – know, there's a couple players that really looked at it. So, I mean, really, you know, when you look at the top three rounds, and I went back and looked at the top three rounds for this when, you know, when you had kind of hinted at this question. And, you know, a lot of those guys are hurt. So if you look at the guys who aren't hurt and try to make that decision, it's really hard to find a guy where you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to sit him. The only two that really kind of stood out to me were, you know, James Robinson and DK Metcalf. Um I'm not sure that you can afford to sit either one of them, and I'm sure if you are an, an owner of either one of these players, you're you're you know now you know yelling at me like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but you know, DK has just been okay. I mean, you're getting Jalen Ramsey this weekend, most likely. Um, not that Jalen has really been able to slow him down or anything, but is it the DK that's up to the challenge that Russ is going to throw to, or is it the DK who's been playing all year, kind of like, you know, not as well as we were hoping. I mean, we really were hoping that he was going to become the Julio Jones of the, you know, of the Seattle Seahawks. And instead, he's just been just another guy. Um, you know, I guess A.J. Brown is the same boat, but A.J. Brown's been hurt, at least. Um, so he's one of the guys that I'm like, you know, you put him in the lineup because you kind of have to. And you're just hoping that Russ just finds him on a broken coverage where Ramsey's covering Lockett, I guess, that moment. Um, you know, James Robinson, I just think that, again, going back to my Marvin Jones comment, I just think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are, you know, listen, I'm a Gator. I liked Urban. I, I loved him when he was at Florida. I, you know, the burnout was real when he left. And I think he's just chasing paychecks now. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously, except that his heart's not in it. Um, you know, I think somebody put the, the, the comment that it's kind of like Jimmy Johnson's first season in Dallas. It looks exactly like that, except Jimmy Johnson was – annoyed and he went on his boat and he came back refreshed and then won a bunch of titles and built a dynasty urban doesn't have a boat down here in south florida so i don't know what he's going to do this off season to recharge and figure that out and he's you know also let's face it when the going has gotten tough at certain locations he's just left so and i think the team is starting to feel that from him so i'm not sure that james robinson is the guy to start you know he's you know carlos has already been <clears throat> kind of put in there on a quick trigger a lot of times. So this is, you know, third round draft capital that you're just going to have to leave on your bench because you can't rely on them. Well, a guy we can always rely on for uh, good fantasy advice, as well as uh, somebody who's going to be in the thick of it come the end of the season in the FFPC is Steve Lowinger. Steve, thank you so much for uh, for joining me this week and, and sharing some of your insight. I wish you nothing but the best of luck uh, uh, going forward in the next three weeks. And and you never know, big big two hundred point week cut sometimes goes a long way in these things, and you might find yourself higher than than uh, than, than than. I mean, it might surprise you, right? Well, listen, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, you look at it right now, and you just say to yourself, everybody, like everybody in the top one hundred and fifty or so, maybe even the top two hundred of this thing, it's really just you know getting off to a great start. It's just you know hitting that triple um, the first week, so that you're you know you're right in scoring position and all that kind of stuff. And avoiding that one where you, you know, where you score 70 points because all your guys don't do what they need to do. You know, you figure there's going to be somebody this weekend who scores, you know, 225 or 230. And that person is going to be the leader after this week. You know, that's how it works. And then you just hope that you're that guy and that everything works itself out. I mean, that's all you can hope for. And then, like I said, last year's last year's winner, um, you know, he kind of rode the uh, the Josh Allen train. Yep up and down and we had Josh Allen in 
we had an F we had a, a football guys league last year because uh, of COVID we couldn't travel to Vegas and all that stuff. So we had Josh, we had her, uh, we had Josh Allen as well and rode him and Jonathan Taylor to that. You know, we, you know, finished with some money in that one. It's just hoping for that guy. I mean, I, you know, I chased Brady for the first time ever just because I felt that he was going to try to break the touchdown record, the single season touchdown record this year. And how can you not want that to be your number one quarterback, regardless of who was ahead of you? Um, hopefully Brady heats up the next three weeks. I mean, New Orleans is a big test, but, you know, after what they did to Tampa the last time, I'm sure Brady's going to be out for blood. So we'll see what happens. We That's will all you see. can do is to see what happens and hope for the best. And I wish everybody luck out there who's competing with me this weekend and the next three weeks for sure. Very gentlemanly, very sporting of you, Steve. Good luck this weekend and uh, always fun catching up with you. We'll do this again soon, man. Thanks. Ho- hopefully. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.